the latest edition of Puncher's Chance with Pinnacle, the podcast that covers boxing betting from every angle. I'm your host, Chris McCarthy, and today we've got a heavyweight boxing betting special where we'll be analysing the big heavyweight fight this weekend between Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usic, as well as Tyson Fury's third fight with Deontay Wilder. I'm joined by former cruiserweight world champion and Sky Sports boxing analyst Johnny Nelson, whilst Tom Craze and Richard Pox in the back we go in search of the best value heavyweight bets over the next few weeks and with that in mind we'll also be joined by a fighter who knows a thing or two about what it takes to reign supreme at the top of boxing's most glamorous division and he is widely regarded as one of the greatest heavyweights of all time for seven and a half years he ruled the division as an undefeated champion with 20 successful defenses ladies and gentlemen the man known as the eastern assassin Former heavyweight champion of the world, Larry Ho! Larry, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on with us. Heavyweight boxing royalty is in the building. Uh, first off, how are you? I'm okay. I'm sorry. You know, I forgot and I've got a sandwich and I was <laughs> eating it while you're calling me and everything. But we, we, we're ready now. So let's take it. <laughs> Great. Now, uh, for any of our listeners that are unfamiliar with their kind of boxing history, Larry's professional record is almost a who's who of boxing legends in the heavyweight division. Um, I mean, if I go through the list that some of the names that spring out, we've got the likes of Ken Norton, Muhammad Ali, Ernie Shavers, Tim Witherspoon, Marvis Fraser, uh, Michael Spinks, Mike Tyson, Oliver McCall, Evander Holyfield, um, not a bad, not a bad list, and I'd say probably slightly better than Johnny's record, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> that could be up for that could be up for debate. So um, we've got a few uh, questions that have come in that people wanted to kind of ask you from our from our listeners, and uh, I was going to fire a couple of questions over to you. Um, some very kind of interesting stuff that goes back from kind of when you was fighting to a few questions to now. Um, the first one we had that kind of come in, if you would be able to answer, is. When you were kind of coming up as a boxer, as a youngster, did your jab naturally come naturally to you or was it a product of a lot of hard work? You know what? I watched Muhammad Ali so much when he was doing it and what he was doing it and I got a chance to train with him and, and that's, that's what it was. It was always the jab. I watched it. They had a story on Muhammad Ali last night and what he does. He throw jab, 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 right hand. Jab, 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 right hand, left hooks, uh, stuff like that. I, that was on last night, you know, and and I watched it on the night before. He was on three nights in a row, so I watched him, Muhammad Ali, and see what it is. And but, you know, that's what these guys got to do. They got to watch these fights, study them, go get them. That's all we got to do. Sure, we got a couple of others that are uh, that are here. We got a few to go through so someone has sent us in a question saying how on earth did you get up from that knockdown in the Shavers rematch 
maybe similar to how Tyson Fury got up against Deontay Wilder? I don't know. I said Ernie Shaver got lucky. He hit me. (laughs) 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 No, but you know, Ernie, listen, man, I worked with Ernie as a sparring partner before I fought him. I was his sparring partner, you know, and that's how I learned to fight these guys. Ernie hits hard, but you know what? If you back off and use that jab, stick the jab, left, right, left, right, in, out, in, out, you know. Sure. you can get away from that. You don't have to get hit with that. But if you got somebody, you can get him, you can get him trade with him, trade with him, don't trade. You can't trade with a, a puncher. You got to knock your head off like he almost did with me. <laughs> I, tried to, I tried to trade with him and that was not good. And uh, another one, like you said, I know you uh, referenced Southpaws earlier on and how difficult you found them. Um, yeah. Something I'm quite interested to learn is also with the Joshua kind of usage match that is coming up uh, with usage being a southpaw and you did mention about sparring partners as well how how important do you feel kind of sparring is as a heavyweight when you are sparring a southpaw because for example looking at the Joshua usage fight from my opinion it wouldn't be as hard to find sparring partners for Joshua stylistically as it would for usage who's got quite a complicated kind of southpaw style and can you know, move well and stuff, which not a lot of heavyweights can do. Yeah, you know what? Southpaws are just hard to fight. Uh, if, if I was training a fighter and he had to fight a southpaw, I, I pull out, I won't fight him. <laughs> southpaws, are, southpaws are tough guys. If, if you get a real good southpaw, there's no way that softball will lose a softball. And I'm surprised that none of them became the heavyweight champion here in our division because softballs are hard to fight. I know that they hit you and, and it hurts. It, 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 you don't see the punches coming because they're coming different than what you're used to. What about, what about a southpaw who isn't regarded as having a heavy punch but is a skilled boxer, like a usage? Does it matter? Does it not matter so much that they can't punch as hard or is punch power kind of irrelevant if you've got that tricky southpaw style? Listen, let me tell you something. In the amateur, this happened to me in the amateur. For a guy named Nick Wells, knocked me down three, four times. <laughs> and, and I couldn't beat him, you know, and I lost in the amateur to Nick Wells. There's two guys in the amateur that beat me, Dwayne Bobbick and Nick Wells. Because Dwayne knew how to switch him up, and he came at me, you know, and they stopped the fight. Nick Wells, <laughs> they stopped. He stopped the fight. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another question that's come in that I've been, I think, quite a lot of people have been dying to ask as well is, having boxed both Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson, respectively. I know they was at different stages of your career, but who do you feel would win that fight if they was both at their peak of their powers? Larry Holmes. <laughs> you know, see, listen, this is, I was off for two years. Two years I hadn't fought. And they brought Mike Tyson in there for me and, and they offered me $10 million. I learned how to fight. Hmm. I knew I couldn't beat Mike Tyson, but I wanted to fight Mike Tyson because it was a lot of money. 
and and he was strong and I would and I was off for two years. I know it was going to be very difficult, but I was going to give it my best shot, and that's what I did. Mike Tyson was not as great as people put him up to be because he was, he's, he's short. He's short and, and he comes in like a Joe Frazier style. No, no way. He, he, if I was in shape, if I had more time to train, I'd have knocked Mike Tyson out. Larry, can I ask you a quick, can I ask you a quick question? Everybody's talking about Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury mm. and they're going to get $150 million each, $100 million each, $200 million each. Do you think it's a huge risk, Joshua Boxing, arguably the greatest cruiserweight ever, who is a southpaw just before that fight gets made? How big a risk is that? Would you, Larry, let me put it another way. Would you have done it? Man, quick, fast and in a hurry. I would do it because <laughs> if you if you're a softball and they're giving you that kind of money, you do it. No, I mean, do you think this is is boxing Usyk before he gets the big money fight with Tyson Fury? Do you think no. this is just a crazy risk doing this fight now before you get a fight for 150 million? I would get a, I I would get my sister to go in the ring with me and, <laughs> and fight me and let let's get the, the big money. Don't worry about that little money. The little money don't count. You want the big money. So that's the way he should go. But so you think I, it's a risk? But I, but I think they're smart enough not to go that way. So it's a, it is a big risk then for Joshua, this fight against the brilliant Southpaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a risk. Because they, they, they come at you like this. I don't know if you see my arm up there, but they come up there like this, and we come up like this. With that jab, jab, pop, 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 double, triple up on the jab, pop, 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 bang. All, and, and, and that's all you have to do. But them guys can learn it and they can do it. All they have to do is take time and do it. And just because you're a southpaw, don't mean you're going to not do that. So you go out and you go practice it and see what happens. And who, uh, Larry, as well, who, so when you say that as well, when you talk about South Wars, who would you say was your hardest opponent as a professional boxer? Who, who was the, what was the hardest fight of your career? Well, I'm, guessing I, not, I'm guessing not Mike Tyson. <laughs> Mike Tyson was, well, he was hard because I, I wasn't in shape. So I'm going to put that on there, but he was a good fighter. But he's little. He, he's, he's only 5'11". Maybe five, maybe six foot. I don't know, but Larry Holmes have a jab. Larry Holmes have the right hand in the left hook. I know how they throw those punches. One of the things that I was missing is stamina. I didn't have that. I didn't have you know the, the training. I, I was not ready for that fight. My timing was up, so he threw them hard right hand. Cause he's a short guy. I'm six. I'm six foot three, and I and no no little guy can beat me. Do you? That it's an interesting point you said it because the the fight on Saturday between Usage and Joshua. A lot of people are saying that uh, whilst Usage is bigger than Mike Tyson, they're they're comparing the size difference between the two, um, mm-hmm. and and they feel that the strength of Joshua will overcome kind of the skill 
of usage when you how important do you feel at heavyweight at kind of elite level is it that when you're boxing someone who is say shorter than you does that necessarily make a difference if they are that good or is it a massive disadvantage do you feel to be boxing someone who's who is shorter than you or on the flip side the fact that you're bigger than them did you even find it harder that they were a shorter opponent let me tell you something joe frazier was a little guy he beat ali break it broke his jaw and everything else but ali was not in tip-top shape but ali get in shape what he do he wipe out joe frazier it's the same thing you know Mike Tyson is, can't be a guy that's six foot three, six foot four. You can't beat him, you know. But he, he I can't, unless they're half ass training. If they're training properly, got the right thing, they can beat Mike Tyson. You know what? You know what they need? Me. They need me to teach them how to do it. I know how to do it. Everybody, oh no, Larry Owens, he finished, he wiped up. They can say all the stuff they want, but guess what I do? I know boxing. I know boxing. I've been doing this ever since 19-something. I know boxing. And I, Mike Tyson would not have stood a chance with me. All I, I, needed, all I needed was two, two more months to get ready and out of my Mike, Mike Tyson. So when, when you say that, and we talk about, obviously, the active heavyweights of today, who would who of the fighters in the current era uh, would you least have liked to face? Um, so who you, would you feel would be the trickiest and hardest opponent out of any of the heavyweights currently active today? No, no. Yes, Larry. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> yes, Larry. No, no they can't fight. They can't fight, man. Listen. You, listen, man, I'm 70 years old, okay? You give me uh, three, four months to get ready to fight, I'll beat them all for you. Uh, you used to appear on a talk show called What the Heck Were They Thinking, as far as I'm aware. Uh, is there anything in boxing today that makes you want to ask the same question? <laughs> no, I, listen... My thing it will be on the, on the trainers of the boxers because boxers get it from the trainer. If they don't know how to train, you ain't gonna get you ain't gonna pick up the good stuff. But you gotta get good trainers, and you ain't got no good trainers, you ain't got no good fighters. And everybody gonna say, "Well, I know how to do this. I did this and I did that." Well, listen, it's a lot of them guys that I watch fight on TV. These guys don't know how to how to know how to wear them down to cool them off. They don't know how to throw the right hand or left hook. They don't know none of that, and that's why I, I I say what I say. Nice. So uh, before before we let you go, Larry, uh, what we're just going to do is we is it can we get a prediction uh, from you for the weekend uh, out of who you think wins out of. Usic and Joshua at the weekend. So out of Anthony Joshua and Alexander Usic, who who do you think is going to win? You know why I like Joshua? Because you guys talk about him all the time. Everything <laughs> you come out of your mouth is Joshua, Joshua. And you know, and he got to live up to that. And I'm sure he's working hard because he got to live up to what you guys say. And that's what he's working on, living up to what you guys are saying. 
Nice. So your uh, so your prediction is Anthony Joshua will beat Alexander Usic. I think you're gonna whoop his butt. Nice. Uh, Larry, what's happened? Larry, let me ask you. What's happened to the great American heavyweights? Why have they all disappeared, the great Americans? Why has heavyweight boxing become a European? Why has it seen such European dominance? You know, I really don't know why. I, I got a gym and I train fighters and little fighters. I got my 13-year-old uh, nephew out there trying to learn how to fight. And that's where they're going to have to go. You've got to go to the bottom and bring them back to the top. But it, that's why we don't have fighters anymore. Fighters don't want to fight no more. They want to look good for the women in, in, in the bars and stuff like that. And they, and they can't do that. You got to go out there and work, bust your butt, like I did. Larry, do you, have a, do you think Deontay Wilder's got a chance against Tyson Fury in the trilogy rematch? Yeah. yeah. You do? Yeah. Sure. A punch, just a puncher's chance. Yeah, yeah, because he punches. He punches too. So, going to be, it's going it's going to be a good fight. People be happy. How much money you bet on it? <laughs> I, Larry, I won't even bet that it happens, and it's only in three weeks. I'm still not convinced that Tyson Fury goes through with the fight. It's all it's all risk, not a lot of reward. When you're about to be offered 150 million to box Joshua, why take the risk? Because he's a fighter, and fighters take risks, and that's what he's going to have to do: take a risk. If he wants to prove himself to the people, go ahead and take the fight. Go in there and make sure you're ready. That's it. that's all you have to do. Make sure the corner guy put water on your head when you get hot. Put it on your head. You swallow a little bit and go back in there to fight. Get them shoulders and arms rubbing down. Them legs rolling down. You know, I can be a trainer again, but I don't. <laughs> I can be a trainer, but I don't want to take these guys' job. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the way it is. If those guys think about what they're going to do, they're gonna to think too long, mess up. Go ahead and do it. Don't think about it. Go do it. <laughs> Delighted to have you on there. It's been brilliant, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. But Tom, I'll go to you uh, first for the odds. Josh is sitting at one point three six three with Pinnacle, which is around obviously a seventy percent chance of victory. You sit three point two six zero, which is a 30% chance. I mean, those odds I feel might actually surprise some people due to the, you know, what Usage brings to the table. Obviously, he's a top quality fighter, unified cruiserweight champion. Uh, obviously, many variables in this fight that will decide the outcome. What's your kind of thoughts on where those odds sit? And do you see any value there in either fighter at all? Yeah, I think, I think firstly, Chris, it's not very often you see that price on Anthony Joshua full stop. He's we know he's been a very strong favourite, very, very popular with the punters throughout his career so far. The biggest price we've seen on him most recently was in the Ruiz rematch, where he was about 1.4, 1.36, same kind of price. In hindsight, that was that was certainly value. But apart from that, you have to go back. You've got one in his last uh, last fight, one to nine against Pulev, one to nine-ish against Parker, Povetkin, Takam and the Ruiz. First fights were... 
one to 25, one to 33. So for Joshua to be kind of four to 11 territory is, is very, very rare. Um, and I think it kind of underlines the fact that this is a, a really serious test for Joshua. It's the first time he's fought someone, I think this is interesting, inside the pound for pound top 10. Um, obviously, he's there for his achievements at Cruiserweight, but this, I think, on paper is his toughest fight for many years. I think there will be people looking at the Usyk price and saying there's some value there, but at the same time, he's fighting away from home. He's shown he's got no problem doing that before. Um, but in a stadium with 60, 70,000 Joshua fans, it's going to be very, very tough to get a cagey decision. Um, there's not much um, kind of juice in the outright prices for me, but I think of the two, I would probably be closer to going for uh, Joshua, but with no... I, I think I'll look elsewhere for the uh, for the best value here, and that's in the over-under market. Uh, I like the, the over-under... 9.5 rounds with Pinnacle at the moment. Um, and that is priced at 1.71, uh, 58% chance that it goes into the into the 10th round. Um, and if you look at Joshua's last few fights, Pulev again, nine rounds. Ruiz two went the distance. Ruiz one went seven rounds. Povetkin seven, Parker 12. Very rare, despite his reputation, that Joshua finishes a fight early and in the first half. So I think the, the value and the best bet for me would be taking the over rounds and possibly the uh, the Joshua decision as well. Yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting point you say that because I was looking at what I was saying of that the other day and I was looking at that market and people seem to be under the contentious that Joshua might come out and steamroll usage, who a guy who's, I don't believe he's actually ever been down as an amateur or a pro, uh, potentially as an amateur, if someone wants to correct me there, but definitely never looked like being stopped. I know the size difference and all that kind of thing will come into it but um johnny we'll go to go to you obviously you're heavily involved in fight week with sky um you're going to be around the camps i've seen you've been doing some interviews with joshua this week what's the general kind of contentious around kind of both of those camps and what is have they given any intrigue into like what they expect from both sides because looking at usage especially how confident do you think kind of him and his team are of victory because i get the sense here that he's He's not the type of guy that's going to come over to be an opponent, is he? He's coming over to, he's coming here to win and he's he's on serious business. Uh, the feeling is, is that this is, you've got two assassins that have uh, come and expecting to win. Uh, they've both been very cool, very calm, very um, together. Uh, they've brought uh, uh, a massive team with them, both Usyk and Joshua, obviously. The difference is uh, Usyk is expecting to win because he hasn't lost. Usyk, uh, because he's not our homegrown talent, Usyk, um, it, it's probably hard for the general public to buy into how dangerous a fight this is for for Joshua uh, and how big a chance Usyk actually has to pull it off if Joshua hasn't got his, his, his stuff together. Uh, for Joshua, he's calm, relaxed, he's confident. I think every fight he's had builds up to this. In my opinion, this is... Joshua's toughest fight since being a professional fighter uh, uh, on paper because Usyk has achieved everything and more. He's active. He's 33, 34 years old. Uh, he's coming expecting to win. Now, yeah, we can talk about pool left. You can put, talk about um, uh, your, your Kalichkos, but these guys will probably pass their best. 
Uh, then you look at Joshua's resume, the amount of champions he's boxed and beat. He's boxed everybody that's been put in front of him. So he's done everything asked of him. To me, this fight will say so much uh, about Anthony Joshua. And then, you know, when you've got the doubters out there to say, well, Anthony Joshua's this, Anthony Joshua's that. If he pulls this win off, I'm telling you that, t- that ticks heavy box. And I, I also say that it, it will, it's got to up his odds against the likes of Tyson Fury, because many say Tyson Fury probably is technically better, but Anthony Joshua is the all-round athlete. Anthony Joshua is getting in with a technically sound southpaw. He can't get any more wrong. So so he gets in there and gets rid of um, uh, Olizana Usyk, gets the job done. You can't ask him any questions because he's boxed an outstanding fight. And, and Usyk's used to to fighting and sparring with heavyweights because I remember seeing him spar with Klitschko when Klitschko was getting ready for the Tyson Fury fight and he was giving him kittens. They actually slung him out of the ring after two rounds. Um, and so so he's always been a handful and that was only six fights in. So don't be gassed and, and fooled to think he's only a cruiserweight. This cruiserweight has is, is, is made his career boxing and sparring with heavyweights sparring with heavyweights and when he gets in the ring the only downside will be if he's actually put weight on for this fight that's when i'm going to think that was a bad move most of the time he'll probably walk around and fight he's training at probably 15 and a half 15 7 something like that then he'll cut down to get down to the cruise weight bit the cruise weight weight i expect him to come in the ring around that weight again if he comes in 16 plus and i mean a heavy 16 plus that means he's he's intending on trying to fight fire with fire you look at his uh, introduction to the heavyweights uh, against Chaz Witherspoon, against um, Derek Chisora. These two fighters fight looking like Anthony Joshua. And believe it or not, physically, uh, fighting Anthony Joshua will actually be easier than fighting Chisora and Witherspoon because he's not going to try and manhandle him. He's not going to try and hold him down. He's not going to try and bulldoze him. He's going to try and box him and bash him. So he's going to have time to breathe, have time to move, have time to think. So... Um, so it is a big gas. There are a, bit, a lot of um, um, uh, ifs and buts. But Anthony Joshua pulls this win off. Then you've got to rate him as, if not the best, one of the best uh, out there because he's beat uh, a very, very good fighter. That has been probably boxing since the ages, I don't know, four or five. Anthony Joshua has been boxing 13 years and achieved so much. So uh, it's a big, big shout what he's doing. Yeah, I totally agree. This is a this is a serious fight and a and a big risk of fair play to kind of AJ for taking it. Um, I mean, Tom discussed the odds earlier. Um, Rich, we know you're a man who who does like an underdog. Um, what do you make of them? What do you make of them odds? And what factors do you feel like the fight will? You know, what do you think both men need to do to be victorious? And in terms of them kind of odds on usage, would you be looking at them and thinking that's a good price or are you heavily favouring the, the bigger, kind of stronger man in Joshua? I'm not sure I'm man you should come with, Chris, because Johnny will tell you I've not won a boxing bet since 1987. So I'm not, I'm not sure I'm the one to shout out about this. But I just think, look, size-wise, I just think that'll be the deciding factor. Like Johnny said, he's absolutely right. If Usyk comes in in the late 15s, then it, you know, you think, well, he's serious, he's going to try and move around, use his feet. If he comes in the high 16s or the mid to high 16s, he's not going to be able to stay away from Joshua for the full 12 rounds. But I mean, one question, fellas, is, and I think he is, arguably, Joshua's boxing may be the greatest cruiserweight in the history of the sport hey, or whoa, the modern hold sport. On, Tiger. Definitely. Hold on, Tiger. <laughs> 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 apart from, apart from, 
crazy tiger, <laughs> from Johnny the General Nelson, you're talking about probably arguably the most all-rounded, round, skillful cruiserweight who an heavyweight champion is going to have faced to step up to challenge him for title. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, like I said, with uh, to Johnny and Tom, and I think that I've seen a lot of conscious online where I've seen what people are people are kind of. I think they even myself. It's kind of you're tempted to back Usic here. Is just a few factors kind of putting you off it. Um, and I think I quite like the bit what Tom said with the over over nine point five rounds. Um, looking through Joshua's record, it's kind of um, he hasn't really blasted anyone else since he stepped up in level. And I think that most of his fights recently have gone over nine point five rounds. We'll move on from Joshua Usic uh, and focus our attention on another. Another big fight. That's, did you uh, like? Our, did you like our Swiv giving a prediction then? <laughs> did you like that? <laughs> no, you're, not, you're not getting away with it because I'm going to ask you at the end. So, <laughs> oh, no. the uh, and we'll go to the Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder fight. Now, the betting odds with Pinnacle for this one, unsurprisingly, have Fury installed as a 1.331 favorite, whilst Wilder sits at 3.450. So. Very similar to what the Joshua Usic odds are compared, albeit slightly, slightly off. Uh, Fury's rated around about just above a 70% chance of victory. Wilder around just below about a 30% chance. Um, my general conscious here and things that I've seen, I think I would say 99% of people share this opinion, is that betting on these two, uh, I think that people will give Usic a better chance of upsetting Joshua than they will Wilder of beating Fury at this stage after the way that the second fight unfolded. Um, whether that's an opinion that people share or not, I think that looking at that, I think that most people feel that Wilder has absolutely zero chance unless Fury's kind of well off his game and kind of gets gets sloppy and gets tagged. Uh, Tom, I'll start with you on this one again, relating back to the odds. Um, what's your thoughts on this? Do you give kind of excuse the pun on the podcast, but a puncher's chance to Wilder, anything more than that? Or do you feel that, where do those odds sit for you? Is there any way of finding any value in this one? Uh, maybe even the way that Fury went through him in the second fight, some value in Fury. Well, Chris, I think you're exactly right in saying that most people would, would think that Usyk has a better chance than Wilder here. And I think I would totally agree with that. I think Wilder... No, he, he's always got a puncher's chance because he's got the ultimate puncher's chance. You know, he's the hardest hitting heavyweight out there. Um, you can never write him off. And the question about, you know, he's linked up with his new trainer, um, Malik Scott, he's he's kind of giving it all the talk. And we don't quite know what Wilder we're going to see after his many excuses after the second fight. He kind of, you know, he, he's talking quite a lot. But I think when, when you look at, Sorry. I don't know what Rich is there. Uh, Sorry, Tom. Go on. Sorry, right. you're murking me like Homestead. <laughs> I think when you're when you're assessing the fight, you look back at the previous two fights, and Wilder was actually the slight favourite in both of those fights. Look, remember they were they were very close, and the second fight was yep. closer again. But Fury was available odds against both of those fights. Again, you look back and think it's pretty crazy, really. Um, I, I'm struggling to make a case here for, for Wilder. I think if you listen to Fury and like Fury says a lot of things and 
I remember when he said that he was going to walk through Wilder and meet him in the centre of the ring in that second fight. A lot of us, and I think we mentioned it on a previous podcast, we said, I can't see that happening. I can't see that happening. It's going to be a Fury decision. He did exactly what he says. Now, Fury says a lot of things, but he backed that one up. And he said in the build-up to this fight that he's going to go through Wilder even quicker again. So I think it would take a brave man to bet against Fury doing exactly that. Um, and I think for me, the value in this fight, Chris, again, is probably in the rounds markets. Um, you've got Pinnacle, have got the over-under set at 7.5 rounds. Um, over is actually the favourite, uh, 1.85, 54%. Uh, and under 8.5, uh, sorry, 7.5 rounds is even money, 50%. Now, if you look at that first fight, stopped him in seven pretty brutally. The layers are taking no chances with the Tyson Fury outright price here. And if Fury saying that he's going to finish Wilder even quicker after that second fight, I'm not in, I wouldn't be in a mood to, uh, to back against him. I think taking the bigger price of the two there would be probably the way I would, uh, I would go. Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely uh, convinced a few. And I saw something with uh, uh, his dad the other day, Big John, who says that he goes through him like a hot knife through butter uh, twice as quick as, for, as the first time. So after his last prediction, I think you've got to probably believe him as well. That he's going to come out with that. Now, uh, Johnny, I'll go to, to you on this one uh, next. Uh, now, do you think with this fight, I know you've been kind of, you've done obviously with the postponements on this, we've, all kind of been doing work on it and various kind of opinions and it's now come back round to with will the fight go ahead hopefully it does uh, i know you've been kind of quoted as saying that he is the only way that kind of wilder can win this is if he's quite not on point uh fury if he gets a bit complacent if maybe things outside the rings a few distractions have stopped him focusing on the fight uh, do you think that that is the only way that wilder can win potentially and have a chance here if fury kind of gets complacent, doesn't take it quite as seriously, maybe makes a mistake and Wilder nails him? Without a doubt. Uh, remember the first fight, Tyson Fury had lost 10 stone. He'd come in half-coxed. Um, uh, yeah, down to Wilder. Probably didn't... He did a... He probably did a... Uh, a call for uh, George Groves and disrespected the man that was in front of him and got a draw. And I actually think he lost. Then they both go away, wipe the lips and get back onto it again. This time, Tyson Fury knows he can beat him. If he can come back out of being so, had so much of a layoff from boxing and to come back and, and get a draw. So this time, now he's training hard for a, for a goal. And don't too while they trained hard because he thought, you know what, that was close. I've got to really prove to people that I can shut this guy out. So they both trained tremendously hard. They, they, there was no excuse for 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 their performances until the bell went. When the bell went, um, and we saw the decision, Deontay Wilder came up with every excuse going for why he lost instead of accepting the fact that he was beaten by a better man. Now, in that time, and in doing that, that means he's not accepted why he lost. That means, therefore, he's not thinking he's done anything wrong. So, therefore, he's going to train exactly the same, which we've seen. Deontay Wilder's not going to turn into a a sweet moving light footed technical fighter within that short space of time because this is how he's fought all of his career. So what he can do is fight in, in, in a more intense way, try and jump on Tyson Fury early and get rid of him early because he's never going to outbox him. And we've seen that. And even before that, when Wilder's boxed, we've looked and thought, Wilder's out behind on points, which we've seen against Ortiz and people like that. But that punch has, has, has saved him. Tyson Fury managed to, to cancel that out. I think now with this fight, he's spent a year seething, getting mad, bubbling, boiling, 
uh, hating what, what the public are speculating about him. He wants to put what he thinks is a wrong right. And, but he's not, what I've seen, changed anything. If he's going to come out and try and outbox Tyson Fury, he's going to get battered. If he comes out to try and rush Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury is going to walk through him earlier, like he said. So to me, all he's got is a puncher's chance. And and uh, and that's all I give him. Uh, for Tyson Fury, my worry about Tyson Fury is, yeah, complacency. Because before it was a doubt. Secondly, it was a no. Now it's like I've done this. This guy's like a bum. I've got I've got it, I've got his number. That's that's when it makes it dangerous because what happens is if the nerves aren't there, if the fear's not there, if the anticipation's not there, that's when you become complacent and get done by someone that shouldn't do you. My 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 call on this, I think uh, if, um, um, Tyson Fury does it again. Um, I think uh, yeah, he might get clipped, uh, but I think uh, Deontay Wilder's got to come out like a proper wild man and jump on him straight away because the longer this fight goes, the more the beating he's going to catch. Yes, uh, so many. I mean, it's quite an easy one to analyse. I was saying to Tom earlier from that perspective. I mean, there's probably close to a 0% chance that Wilder actually can outbox Fury. So, uh, in terms of the betting markets... Well, there's a, good there's a good chance you could outbox him if, if Fury comes in with one foot and one arm. Then <laughs> yeah. Him, yeah. Apart from that, yeah, <laughs> slim and none and slim's out of town. The, uh, I agree with that. And uh, Rich, we'll, uh, we'll go on go on to you again, talking about the underdogs. Obviously, you swerved the prediction last time, pal, so we're going to put you on the spot. No getting away with well, that one this you time. You can put me on the I'm happy to be on the spot. I think the result and the performance in the second fight was an anomaly. What? Tell me any time in Tyson. <laughs> Don't pull that face, Nelson. Don't pull what? that face. Tell me any time in Fury's career where he's putting up a front-footed performance like that against anybody. Anybody. You want to put that red down? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm waiting. Yeah, exactly. I think that performance was an anomaly, and I think the fight was an anomaly. Do I expect Fury to win? Yeah, I do. But I don't think it'll be a capitulation and a beatdown like last time. And I think... The one thing that we know with Wilder, he can knock you out at any time in the fight. So I think we'll see a much cagier Fury who boxes on the back foot, uses his jab and moves around the ring. To a points victory. I'm off the fence. To a points victory. That's uh, an, interesting, an interesting analysis. And in on... You say that, Rich. Why do you? How? Why do you think it's an anomaly? Why? What do you think that? Well, tell it, me when it's. It, tell me when it. Tell me, Chris. When it, or Johnny? Johnny's pulling. Johnny's pulling Biggie's face. Tell me when that's happened before. Tell me a Tyson Fury performance that was as dominant and as front-footedly aggressive as that one. I, I, um, I'll tell you. Styles make fights, and and Deontay Wilder believes in his believes and, and I agree he's the biggest puncher going so he all he depends on is that big punch power he's the only fighter that's gone in there and taking it to Tyson Fury like that so when you meet fire you're going to meet him back with fire and Tyson Fury out totally out boxed him out foxed him out punched him but when a fight is trying to be cute, trying to box, trying to move around, trying to coax you into a boxing match then yeah right nobody's done that with Tyson Fury nobody uh, and, and and it's not and, and they've not even used educated pressure. So the ones that have tried to be Tyson Fury have walked into a shot. Whereas Don Tuada, even though he's getting hit with the same shot over and over again, he just couldn't change his mindset 
because he's thinking, look, I just need to hit this guy. So Styles make fights, and that's why that fight turned out the way it did. So the only thing uh, um, Deontay Wilder can change is his style, which he's not going to do. He might do something what he's been training to do for two rounds, and after that, he's going to go back to back to type, and he's going to try and walk through him. And he kind of it's like banging your head and walk against the wall constantly, kind of himself. What um, I don't know what normally means, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sheffield's the, uh, in the house. Yeah. <laughs> what? So when you know when we're talking, obviously about we've been talking about weight and size and things with Joshua usage as well. One thing with the Yuri Wilder fight that interests me, uh, which not a lot of people actually talk about, is the weight and the size. Because it seems as on the Joshua usage fight, everyone's going on about size, strength. You know, like, what's he going to weigh in at? What's he going to do this? When I look at the Wilder Fury fight, I mean, I I can't remember the exact weight that Fury come in it, but I think Wilder weighs in roughly about 15 and a half stone. And I think Fury weighs in around about 18, 19 stone. Yeah, yeah but, but the one thing you're forgetting is, John uh, Tuale, probably for, I, I can't say, I can't even say two or three opponents that have got in there that have been taller than him and longer than him. As it longer yeah. than as in a longer longer reach. So when he's come up against somebody like that, this is what happens. Once you come up against, he's, he's, he's a bully. So he's come up against somebody that can match him for height and reach that can fight. So then if he so if he never turned Tyson Fury over, you know there's no argument there. And you know what I, I rate uh, Wilder because Wilder took a fight that nobody wanted to fight against. Um, uh, Ortiz, uh, the Cuban Ortiz. You know that fight. He was in the Who Needs Him club. Uh, but then he got in the ring with somebody that was taller than him, that was longer than him, that could actually box. And he took that fight because he thought it was a soft touch. And the reason why they did it again is because he was embarrassed. A man that was a, an ex-drug user, uh, 10 stone overweight, and, and did that to him. And that's why he took it again. And he's taking it again because he's still embarrassed and he's got no choice. And so that's the only reason why. Otherwise, if there wasn't as much hullabaloo about the first fight and it was a draw, he wouldn't have got in the ring again with Tyson Fury. That's his problem. He was a bully. To break off before we move on uh, and finish up with the podcast, uh, what I wanted to do is just go round. And I know that Rich was swerving out of his prediction earlier, so he's, he's been caught in a trap here. We're going to get... Hey. <laughs> your official big fight predictions for the two fights that are coming up. Uh, I want a winner and a method of victory. No sitting on the fence. And we'll start with, obviously, the Joshua usage fight on Saturday and then the Wilder, uh, sorry, Fury Wilder 3. Uh, we'll go into that. So, Tom, I'll start with you. If you have to pick an outright winner and a method of victory, uh, where will you go for both of them? Joshua decision with scorecards that are a little bit wider than they should be. Fury inside six. Interesting. And, uh, and jo Sorry, Rich. John, we'll go to you. Um, obviously, I've got a rough idea of what you're going to say on a couple of them, but what, what's your opinion, pal? How, how, who wins and how? Joshua, um, tight points win. Um, scrappy fight, even... Uh, um, It'd be a controversial win, uh, but he gets a tight points win. Um, um, Tyson Fury against um, uh, Deontay Wilder, I'm making about 
probably a little one, two rounds further, you know, eight, nine rounds. We still get done inside the distance. Wilder will get done inside the distance. And Rich, I'm quite intrigued to see what your uh, what your prediction is, especially for the Fury Wilder Fury Wilder fight, pal. What you got for Joshua Usich and what you got for the for the other Joshua one. Joshua Usich Joshua by late retirement. Interesting. I think yeah. he'll just I think Usyk will get worn out by the size of him and be moving around, and I think he'll tie late on and get retired. Fury, I go against Johnny, I go against Tom, and I go against Chris, even though Chris hasn't spoken yet, I know what he's going to say. I think a points decision to Fury in a dull, dull fight. Can I throw oh, something you've spoken, there? Nelson, you've spoken. Let's not, let's not write off the draw with Tyson, uh, with uh, Joshua and Usyk, yeah. because that could yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, Tom, what's uh, yeah, 20, 22 to one. I saw on the draw. I think there are a lot worse bets than that. To be honest, I think I could, I could see. Mine was sixty to one against Carlos Delia. I wish I'd have put a bit on the draw. Twenty-two to one. We might have a go on that, John. <laughs> I was looking at the draw myself earlier. I think I might. If anyone wants to back it, I think the chances to get in early because I've got a feeling a bit of late money is going to come in for that once people start to bet on it Friday, Saturday. So. Uh, yeah, the draw is definitely a possibility there, and it's one that should not be ruled out. That's just about it for today. Uh, lots of boxing to look forward to, and plenty of insight and analysis that boxing betters and fans can take away from that ahead of the big heavyweight fight this weekend, as well as the Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder tussle. And for our listeners, all of the odds that we've talked about or discussed on the podcast today, they're all available at www.com. Pinnacle.com and remember to always gamble responsibly.